What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Group of five. Group of five live. Group of five. Group of five live. Are we talking about the American? Yeah. See USA. USA. Yeah. Mac. Mac. Yeah. Mountain West. Yeah. And the Sun Belt. Oh, yeah. Live is part of the Landry Football Network. My name's Chris Mykoski, coming to you from my hotel room in Houston. The sound quality not quite as good as I'd like. It sounds a little bit more cavernous than when I'm in my home studio back in McKinney, Texas, but we must push forward as we have Group of Five action coming up on Saturday and also some big news coming down the pipe related to COVID-19. The biggest coming out of the Mid-American Conference and report by Adam Rittenberg, the ESPN college football writer, and several other sources saying that the MAC presidents will meet on Saturday to talk about a possible fall football season. This all happening after the Big Ten at the Power Five level announced that it will play this fall. The MAC looking at a six or eight game schedule that would start on October 24th and end with the conference championship game at Ford Field in Detroit. Not as much momentum coming out of the Mountain West Conference, so we'll see if all of the Group of Five leagues get back to playing this fall. But as of now, certainly some positive signs that we could have some action coming up later on this fall. Past that, we have news of games getting postponed or canceled this weekend. And I'm talking to you on Thursday night. It's 6 o'clock Eastern time, 5 o'clock Central. So more games could get wiped out at any point, especially on Friday as 
some final COVID testing data comes in. But as of now, it's five games in, across college football that have been wiped out, three involving group of five teams. The first that we heard about was Memphis at Houston, and that was due to issues with the Tigers. But that game will be postponed, hopefully rescheduled for later on in the year. Meanwhile, Houston was able to add another game. They will play at Baylor on Saturday. Also, Arkansas State having its share of problems. They postponed their game against Central Arkansas. And the latest casualty is Charlotte at North Carolina because of some problems with the 49ers. Now, it wasn't a large number of players who tested positive, but it was affecting the vast majority of a single unit. Coach Will Healy saying that he simply did not have enough offensive linemen to make playing on Saturday possible. So that game canceled as well, and we'll wait to see what other dominoes fall on Friday. Let's take a look at some of the biggest games of the weekend in the group of five. Houston, again, at Baylor, that one on Big Fox, noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central Time on Saturday. Really good matchup in the American with Navy at Tulane, noon Eastern, 11 Central. That one also getting broadcast network treatment on ABC. We'll preview USF at Notre Dame coming up later with Jim Lauk, the voice of the Bulls. That's at 2.30 Eastern, 1.30 Central. And because of U.S. Open golf on NBC, that one gets pushed over to USA this weekend. A really good opportunity for UCF taking on Georgia Tech, 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central on ABC. And great added exposure for a couple of group of five teams. Appalachian State at Marshall was supposed to be on CBS Sports Network, but because of a cancellation, it's now the 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central game on big CBS. That is normally the time slot for the SEC game of the week, but that league does not start until next Saturday. Originally, CBS had planned to fill it with BYU at Army, but the Cougars had to beg off because of COVID issues there. So the Mountaineers and the Thundering Herd are the beneficiaries. Our spotlight games this week, we already mentioned USF at Notre Dame. Also, SMU at North Texas. That is 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Central on CBS Sports Network. That is known as the Safeway Bowl, kind of a fun nickname that's been bestowed upon that ball game since the mid-90s. It comes from a quote from Matt Simon, who was the head coach of the Mean Green at the time. He said about SMU that, you know, if they'd like to play at a Safeway parking lot, just give us the date and the time. Uh, Zach Barnett on Football Scoop brought that up on Thursday morning. But he also threw out an idea that maybe this game should get a new name, specifically the Hayden Fry Bowl, as both of these schools share history with the Hall of Fame head coach. And this weekend, 
North Texas will honor Coach Fry with their uniforms, some throwbacks, all white with the logo on the helmet that is known affectionately as the Flying Worm. So look for that on Saturday when North Texas takes on SMU. But uh, really excited to have Dave Barnett on the show. He gives us the scoop from his chair as the voice of the Mean Green here on Group of Five Live. Well, I'm on location this week in Houston, but back in my neck of the woods, Dallas-Fort Worth, is where we find Dave Barnett, the voice of the North Texas Mean Green, his sixth year back at his alma mater. Dave, against HBU, a lot of questions about the 2020 offense seem to be answered. Obviously, again, it was, it was against Houston Baptist, but you had to love everything you saw out of Jason Bean and uh, the people surrounding him. Yeah, uh, you know, what's interesting is Jason probably would not even have started if not for um, an illness that Austin Ani was dealing with in the practices leading up to the game. They were both going to play, but Austin was, was set to start. And as it turned out, Jason started and played so well I think Austin went in a lot later than Seth Luttrell probably would have put in back up under normal circumstances. But Jason got in there, uh, first career start, having played just little bits uh, as a freshman last year, mostly when Mason Fine was injured. And last year showed flashes, very athletic, you know, gave them a running component that Mason could have but wasn't asked to do very much at his size. And you didn't really see enough from his throwing last year, for me anyway, to have much of an impression and uh, an expectation this year. So he went in there, and um, my partner, Hank Dickinson, and I had joked early on the air about how we're not going to compare either of these guys to Mason Fine. It's not fair to Mason or Jason or Austin. So instead, the comparison I made was with Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> just to take some some pressure <laughs> off of him but I mean he he showed that kind of athleticism um just outran everybody a couple times a long touchdown run design keeper the thing that really stood out about Jason was how well he threw and especially how well he threw on the run um he had some Mahomes like throws and as you said it was against HBU FCS and not one of the best FCS yeah, defense. Yeah, middle of the road FCS team. But the plays he was making, you know, are not that hard um, sometimes even against air, but, you know, that's still a challenge. And he just – I think he he overachieved beyond anybody's expectations. Austin came in and, and looked good too. But mm-hmm. instead of what was expected to be a back-and-forth neck-and-neck competition based on that one game, Jason – Definitely has uh, an early leg up. Set the school record for total offense, 721 yards, which leads the nation after one game. And first time in school history to have 300 rushing and 300 passing. 361 passing, 360 rushing. So, um, you know, it was um, beyond anybody's realistic expectations one game in. Well, Dave, at a lot of schools, we saw teams come out flat in game one, having to deal with 
creating their own energy, not very many fans in the stands. And I want to say at UNT, was it 25% capacity? Uh, right at, yeah, 8,000. Okay. They, they were just under 8,000 in so, the actual attendance. So with that, I mean, UNT still comes out and has over 300 yards passing, over 300 yards rushing in the same game. First time that's happened in program history. Anything in particular that Seth Luttrell said he was going to do to get players ready for that kind of atmosphere? No, and I think he's approaching it the way all the coaches have to, and that is to try and make things seem as normal as possible. Um, I will say that for 7,600 people, they were as loud as um, they could be, and the you know way up in the press box anyway, the noise level didn't seem to be that much lower than when there are 30,000 people at Apogee Stadium. It was noticeable, and I think the players commented, you know, that the, the fans who were there gave them some energy. So uh, it, it's not what they would usually get, but it's a whole lot better than the empty stadiums that NFL teams are playing in front of. Yeah, and, and better than probably some of the old crowds at Fouts Field back in the day. <laughs> uh, probably similar attendance. <laughs> yeah. The Mean Green offense did a really nice job spreading the ball around. Oscar Attaway, DeAndre Torrey got a lot of attempts on the ground, and then three different receivers with uh, over 70 receiving yards. Yeah, 11 different pass catchers, played five running backs, played four quarterbacks, and even the backup holder got in. Um, Seth Luttrell lets his position coaches determine who's in and out, um, you know, maybe with the exception of quarterback. But um, that was probably the, the best thing to come out of that first game is how many uh, different weapons they have. They knew going in there'd be – question mark your quarterback because Mason Fine has been one of the best in the country for four straight years but they also knew that the depth at running back may be as good as it's ever been in the history of the program there are four legitimate threats at running back and, and you mentioned Oscar Radaway the third who played just enough to keep his red shirt last year and carried four times for 42 yards five carries in this game over 100 two touchdowns so uh, his Career numbers now are nine carries for an average of 17.7 yards per carry. Um, he has the combination of breakaway speed and power. Their other backs tend to be one or the other. Trey Siggers uh, listed as the starter uh, and more powerful than you'd think at 200 pounds and some breakaway speed, but Oscar shows both of those. And then DeAndre Torrey is a little scat back, about 5'7". Um, they didn't even get in a guy who's been a, a pretty consistent contributor the last couple of years, Nick Smith, who was out with an illness, but Evan Johnson got to play smallish, uh, scat pack type. They were able to play a freshman, uh, Isaiah Johnson, who, uh, actually found the end zone. So they knew going in that even as they were trying to break in new starters at quarterback, what they had was this great depth at running back and wide receiver, uh, and and the, the wide receiver core, uh, I think, is, is a little bit like the running backs. It's a good combination of possession receivers and deep threats. Jalen Darden is the ultimate possession receiver. 76 catches last year. Uh, not much yard per catch, but always gets open. Look for him on third down. 12 touchdowns, one of the best touchdown scorers in the country last year. Uh, and then 
guy who's uh, emerged as a deep threat last year, Jair Shorter, who stepped in when Rico Bussey Jr. tore his ACL uh, in September at Cal and was lost for the season. And Jair uh, gets deep, gets open, finds the end zone. Deontay Simpson showed a little bit of that last year as well. Um, so, you know, as, as the, the quarterback position gets um, more solidified, I think they always knew that the, the security blanket on offense was this year. It's not all on the quarterback's shoulders. Uh, the last four years, if Mason Fine was out injured, um, they were simply not able to generate offense. And I don't think that's going to be the same issue this year because they have so much depth at, at all those skill positions. On defense, a new coordinator in Clint Bowen, allowing 569 yards overall against that HBU offense, which, you know, we know can throw it around a lot. It's what they do. That's how they gain the majority of the yards. Only 89 of them came on the ground. But obviously it's going to be a huge step up this Saturday with Shane Bouchelle and the receivers that he has to work with. So what's your biggest concern on that end? Um, you know what? I'm not sure how big of a step up it will be against SMU because uh, Bailey Zappi last year, again, at the FCS level, led the nation in attempts, completions, and touchdown passes second in yards per game. Um, they run the air raid about as well as it can be run, really. Um, and, and Texas Tech found that out. I mean, quick release, gets rid of it, has two great receivers, uh, Jareth Stearns on one end, Ben Ratzlaff on the other. Uh, and so I don't think last week was much of a test really to tell you much about the North Texas defense because it just tells you what a good offense Houston Baptist is. And again, they almost won at Tech. Uh, I, it may be that the SMU offense replacing some of the people they're replacing, a wide receiver and running back, even with Shane Bouchelle, uh, is not necessarily a bigger test for the North Texas defense. Um, SMU struggled to win at Texas State. Shane Bouchelle, it's, it's very different. Um, what SMU knows they have coming back is quarterback, and they're trying to develop new people at skill positions, just the opposite of North Texas. Bulletin board material coming from Dave <laughs> Barnett. They're going to be hanging this up in the field yeah. house at SMU. I'm sure they'll need anything from me. <laughs> to to prepare past uh, past that uh, what are you looking at as far as SMU and what North Texas should be concerned about with the Mustangs I think it's number one Shane Bouchelle um, one of the best quarterbacks in the country last year the difference this year is he he doesn't have a James Prochet or um, you know two years ago Cortland Sutton uh, four touchdown catches that the SME wide receivers have been unguardable the last uh, really two meetings. And uh, so far they have Reggie Robertson Jr. coming back, but I don't know that he's a James Prochet or a Sutton, um, you know, destined for the NFL. Um, the, the other thing that they um, – are unsure of, I think, is running back. T.J. McDaniel had a 100-yard game at, at Texas State, not the breakaway back that Xavier Jones was. Um, so, you know, I think this this new defense that Clip Bowen is running is um, more simplified version than what they had been running in the past. The players are reacting well to that. The players like the fact that there's less thinking 
uh, and it's more cut loose. Um, and that's by design. Clint Bowen wants the assignments to be simple. He doesn't want any hesitation. Um, and so I think this, you know, last week they gave up a lot of yards, but the game was never in doubt. I don't know if they'll give up as many yards to this SMU offense, but the SMU defense is, is definitely going to be a bigger test than Houston Baptist was. SMU and North Texas have split the last two games, both teams winning at their home stadium. So that bodes well for the Mean Green. That game coming up, 6 Eastern, 5 Central from Apogee Stadium on CBS Sports Network. And Dave, before uh, I let you go, I, I really do want to talk about your time back at the alma mater. Like I said, six years. What's been the most gratifying part about being back in Denton and around your school? I think that um, as I've been able to do with just about every job I've had, I, I timed it to where teams were just about to get really good. Um, going back to my very first play-by-play -play job, um, two years out of North Texas, the then brand new Dallas Mavericks, you know, they were an expansion team, but getting better every year, they were compiling first round draft picks. And so the seven years I was there, they added to the win total every year. My, my last game with the Mavericks was game seven of the Western Conference finals at the forum against the Lakers. Went from there to San Antonio. The Spurs were about to explode. They had drafted David Robinson um, they had hired Larry Brown. They had to wait out one more year, David in the Navy. And then my second year with the Spurs, they had the biggest one-year improvement in the history of the NBA, jumped 35 wins. They almost were championship level. They didn't win championships until Tim Duncan got there. But um, again, perfect timing in terms of a team that was about to come a, a really year-in, year-out powerhouse. Uh 13 years at ESPN and then to the Rangers. And again, just as they were about to explode, my second year, they get uh, to the World Series. The year after that, should have won the World Series. And then coming on to, to North Texas, again, at a very similar time, the, the first year, 2015, was one of the worst in school history. Uh, and Dan McCarney didn't survive that year. But then a great hire in Seth Luttrell and immediately – you know, three straight bowls, back-to-back nine-win seasons. Last year was a big step back with four wins, but they're, they're you know, I think uh, they've added enough roster depth, especially the skill positions, that um, this is a year where they don't have the favorites tag on their shoulders, and I, I think, you know, they're in position to surprise people. For basketball, uh, again, first year was the end of uh, the Tony – Benford era and then Grant McCaslin comes on and immediately turns them into a 20 win machine they won first postseason tournament um, in the history of the school now three seasons ago the CBI and then last year they win Conference USA regular season didn't get a chance to play in the postseason tournament but I think had they won that they were positioned to be one of these teams that Conference USA sends into the big dance and um, surprises people as Middle Tennessee had done uh, a couple of years running, knocking out Big Ten teams in the first round. That team uh, showed the signs of being capable of, you know, making a mark nationally. And this year, uh, almost everybody back, the Conference USA 
male athlete of the year, Javion Hamlet at, at, at point guard, and, and they um, have built, I think, around him as well as they could with not that many holes to fill last year and uh, huge expectations. So that's been the most enjoyable thing because when I was a student, I, uh, again, had great timing. I was there when Hayden Fry was winning nine and 10 games a year in football. Bill Blakely was winning 21, 22 a year in, in basketball. And you kind of naively think, well, this is just how it's always going to be. This is great. <laughs> and that's never just how it's going to be. No. <laughs> Everybody is capable of hitting ditches, Texas, Notre Dame, USC, everybody can hit a ditch. Uh, and in the years the decades since I graduated, there have been lots of uh, lean periods. But coming back on board in, in 2015, um, things were about to break within a year or two. Um, uh, you know, the way that I've always thought they could at North Texas, um, being situated where the school is, now as good of facilities as there are in uh, this you know, part of the state and definitely in Conference USA, they have the right coaches. Uh, so it's, it's, it's fun being around that. And it's fun uh, because there have been so many loyal fans and um, athletic department personnel who have slogged through lean times. In the last few years, the lean times have turned into fun times. That's been the best part. Well, Dave, for most of my life, I've admired you from afar. So it's been good the last couple of years where we've actually actually called the same game one time last year. I was on the call for uh, ESPN Plus for Louisiana Tech against UNT, and you had your radio call that same night of the longest replay review, I think, <laughs> in college basketball history. Yeah, to cover about a one-hundredth of a second yeah. <laughs> on J.P. on Hamlet's winter. Well, you saw history. That was the first win – in Ruston since 1952. Oh, yeah. Now, we brought up that fact several times during the game and I probably about 100 times in trying to fill that airtime in the six or seven minutes. We were waiting yeah. for the officials to finally make up their minds. But uh, I look forward to running to you again soon, and I'll probably be calling you for notes actually coming up because uh, my first football broadcast of the year is HBU at La Tech next week. So, you already have all the good stuff on the Huskies. Well, you get to uh, ring the Huskies season out. That's yes. their third and final game. Barring, uh, any, barring any additions. You never know if uh, somebody comes uh, calling, offering a big guarantee check, uh, maybe they'll add a fourth. Um, I think they'd love it. You know, <laughs> if, this is such a bizarre year. And if, if we've all learned one thing, it is to appreciate everything and take nothing for granted. Absolutely. Uh, so every week where there are games, you know, that's, um, that's sort of playing with house money. That's the way we have to look at it this year. The University of South Florida travels to seventh-ranked Notre Dame this weekend. Jim Lauk is the voice of the Bulls on the USF radio network has been doing that for 38 seasons, including all the years that USF has fielded football. And Jim, just before we got on, you told me that you actually won't be able to be there in South Bend this weekend. How odd is it going to be to be calling a game off a monitor? 
Well, I'll let you know Saturday night when we're done, but I have a feeling is it's going to be pretty odd. Something that uh, we've never done before. You know, I've been fortunate enough to do uh, every USF football game on site since the beginning of the program, but the world we live in now, uh, you know, it's a little bit different. So we're going to stay in Tampa. We've got a nice studio set up. We'll have all our monitors and we'll We'll call the game. It won't be quite the same as being there. And of course, of all the all the places to miss, I hate to miss Notre Dame. We had a great uh, great experience there in 2011. But just how things are these days, so we'll adjust. Yeah, that's the norm for really all professional sports right now. And I'm sure uh, you're going to see that a lot in the college ranks this season as well. If you're like Jim and will be watching it on TV, uh, note here. NBC actually has U.S. Open golf taking priority, so you'll need to go over to USA Network to watch this game, 2.30 Eastern, 1.30 Central on Saturday. And you brought up the 2011 game, a 23-20 to win for the Bulls. What's your favorite memory of that day? That day is a handful, I'll tell you. Uh, there were so many storylines. It was Skip Holt's first game as coach coming back to Notre Dame. Um, our broadcast, our radio broadcast, pregame, postgame, all the delays, logged in at nine hours, 41 minutes. <laughs> I, I know because I went and checked. I was so curious. Um, but, you know, a great win, obviously very memorable. But it was, it was difficult, too, because uh, that was the weekend we lost Leroy Selman the NFL Hall of Famer, former USF athletic director, who uh, was instrumental in starting the football program at USF. He was supposed to be with us uh, in South Bend that day and fell gravely ill on Friday and wound up passing away a couple of days later. So those bad memories are intertwined with it as well. And I talked with quite a few players from the 2011 team this week uh, in preparation and creating some pieces for this week's game. And that all uh, still resonated with them nine years later as well. So it was emotional from start to finish. Lots of lots of great memories, but some bittersweet ones too. Oh, I bet. With this game just added to the schedule at the end of August, and Notre Dame gets a return trip to Tampa coming up down the line, just talk us through that process with USF trying to nail down an extra non-conference opponent and to be able to add in the Irish coming to your place. I mean, what a masterful job of scheduling. Michael Kelly, the vice president of athletics, uh, has done a few interesting things with the schedule. In upcoming years, uh, USF fans are going to see Alabama come to our stadium. Uh, they're going to see Florida and they're gonna see Notre Dame, quite a few others. Um, it's very aggressive scheduling. This was a case the Bulls lost pretty much all of their non-conference schedule except for one game. They were supposed to open at Texas September 5th. When that game went by the wayside, they started rebuilding. And you know, Michael Kelly, the, uh, the uh, vice president of athletics is the former director of the college football playoffs. So he's got those connections, he knows who to call and when to call them. And uh, he wound up putting this together and 
players are excited. Obviously, it's a really steep mountain to climb in terms of tremendous opponent, but uh, it's great for the program. And yes, it does have future games tacked on to it, which is good for USF as well. Yeah, I can only imagine this, it's the disappointment for the student athletes to not get to go to a historic place like DKR Memorial in Austin, but then you replace it with a trip to South Bend. Just awesome for them. Uh, Jeff Scott took over as head coach in December, was on the Clemson staff since 2008. What were your initial impressions of him, and what has caught your attention in how he and his staff have handled this offseason? He's an impressive guy. You know, I, I don't think it's a, it's a real closely guarded secret that when he took over, the program needed some culture change. And, you know, how do you do that when you come in? Well, a lot of coaches will do it by running a bunch of guys, pure and simple. Um, he ran virtually nobody. But this team is so much different. Uh, the way they run their business in attitude in, uh, in confidence, in attention to detail. It's been really impressive. And I, and I thought it was fascinating after they won their first game last week when they beat Citadel. You know, you look at player social media and, and you always do that with, with second thoughts. But after that game, it was fascinating in that all the players made their social media posts about Jeff Scott. Jeff Scott's first win, pictures of him, you know, getting the Powerade bath uh, and, and references to 1-0 and at USF. And I thought that was really telling. Uh, and, and it showed how much he has changed things here. He's, he's a communicator. He's built an extremely young staff. As a broadcaster, I love the guy because he's accessible and gives me everything I need and, you know, understands, you know, what we need to do in terms of broadcast and social media. And uh, he's, he's just a joy to be around. He's got some work to do. It's a rebuild, uh, but I think he's going to be really successful here. 27 to 6 win over the Citadel last weekend. You referenced that. Uh, in the second, though, the game was still in question. Bulls led by just one. And then you get the shortest punt return for a TD in college football history, tied for it at least. What was your call like on that play? What was the reaction? You know, we said after the, after the play that stuff like this is why we keep coming back game after game, year after year, because you never do know what you're going to see. Um, and it was one of those things I was very grateful. It happened in the end zone closest to me. So I had a great view of it. Um, and it was just one of those funny plays, you know, the guy just flat out dropped the snap, wasn't a great rush. Then he tried to roll to the right, tried to kick it on the run, got about two or three yards of it. And a freshman wide receiver for USF happened to be standing in the end zone. The ball came right to him. He got caught at six points. So it was a lot of fun. And it was really one of the critical plays of the game. It turned it from 7-3 to 13-3 at the time. And I saw that uh, Omari and Dollison actually got a special shout out from the coach on your uh, show on Monday night. Uh, not very often he'll even bring up a freshman, I imagine, this season. Yeah, you know, he, he is interesting, though, that he's a little different that way. He'll, he'll do that a little bit more than other coaches that I've dealt with before. But, you know, Dallison is a guy that's going to be in the mix. Uh, they ran him on a 
jet sweep in the course of that game. So he's going to play and not just on special teams. Coach likes what he does. But, yeah, it was interesting. That was, uh, that was one of the good moments of week one. One of the stories that I think the national media has really gravitated to this week, and understandably so, is that Charlie Weiss Jr. is coming back to South Bend now as the Bulls offensive coordinator. Spent five years there growing up when his dad was the head coach of the Irish, and you've known him a little bit from afar as he's been a coordinator elsewhere in the state. Now that he's there, all of the talk about him just being this great young offensive mind, you're getting to see it firsthand. Yeah, he's really interesting. And he, uh, he is a good communicator and teacher as well. He uh, puts stuff into layman's terms that even dumb guys like me can understand when he's uh, talking about offensive philosophy. Uh, the, the team he put together at Florida Atlantic offensively last year, when you look at some of their numbers, some of their tapes, I mean, they would have guys running down the field with nobody within 20 yards of them. I mean, defenses just had no idea what they were doing. Ironically, that's USF's next opponent. They're going to Florida Atlantic next week. But Coach Weiss is, you know, he's a bright young star in this game. Everybody knows that. Uh, but we're really excited to see what he comes up with. He's putting in stuff every week. I'm sure he held back a lot in week one sure. against Citadel. Um, and again, he's got some very, very young guys. They've got to build some depth. But boy, he's got some really creative ideas. And you've got a new defensive coordinator as well at USF with Glenn Spencer. And this week he gets the challenge of game planning for people like Ian Book and Kyron Williams I mean, you guys have some playmakers on defense, obviously. Antonio Greer is one of those guys that stood out, double-digit tackles before the first half even ended last week. But what do you think the main concerns are? I mean, just by you looking at Notre Dame film, getting ready for this broadcast, what are you most worried about with the Irish? Well, I think, you know, USF, it's no great secret. They haven't been very good defending the run in the last couple of years. Um, Coach Spencer has a, a very intricate defensive plan. We saw virtually none of it last week because they scrapped a lot of stuff to deal with the triple option offense that Citadel runs. Sure. So I'm, I'm very curious to see, you know, what he puts in place for this Saturday. Their defensive secondary uh, is filled with veterans, great speed, uh, that's probably their strength defensively. The linebackers are, are good, but they're not deep there. And the defensive line, I think they're trying to find themselves a little bit. So to me, a big part of this game coming up, even though you, you have to contend with Ian Book all game long, to me, one of the keys is trying to come up with a credible run defense against Williams and some of the other guys in that offensive backfield. All right, Jim. Well, normally I would say enjoy the trip to South Bend, but again, you're calling the game this weekend from the studio there in Tampa. So I hope that's a good experience for you. I hope you do well calling the game off the monitors. Sounds good. Never too old to try something new. We'll see how it goes this week. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks to both Jim Lauk and Dave Barnett for joining us on this edition of Group of Five Live. We'll be back with you on Monday.
to recap the weekend. Group of Five Live is part of the Landry Football Network. Be sure to subscribe to Landry's Football Conference Call wherever you get podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.